liposuction actually remove the fat cells um, in the area that you're targeting. It doesn't mean that then patients can't put on weight still, they just put on the fat more on the cells that are left behind. So if someone has had liposuction, for example, on the lower part of their tummy and the proceduralist or the surgeon has removed every single fat cell from that area and then they put on weight, they're going to look weird because that bit is skin and no fat underneath it. They're not going to put on weight in proportion to the rest of the body. Hey ReFam, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real the only podcast to use the term fat necrosis casually. I think it's safe to say that liposuction is one of the most misrepresented procedures we do here. Unlike some of our more niche surgeries, everybody's heard of liposuction and a lot of people have decided it's a quick fix or the easy way out, a cheats weight loss scheme. But today, Richard and Kim join me to give the facts on lipo, like how for one, it's not for weight loss at all and you should be really wary of anyone that's marketing it that way. We're going to talk about the stigma, how lipo actually works and what happens if you gain weight after the procedure. Hey, Kim and Richard, thanks so much for joining me. I think we all kind of know that lipo is sucking fat from the body, but what exactly is it and how does it work? So... It is kind of what you say, but it is not as simple as as it sounds. It's not a lunchtime, um, I'm going to just pop in and have some liposuction. It is an operation. Um, we would 99% of the time do it in an operating theatre unless we were doing a pretty minor or very small area or a revision in the in the office here. So um, generally our patients would be under full anaesthetic um, there's lots of terminology that's also um, used around marketing, a lot of it with um, liposuction, um, different types of machines. Uh, most of us would do what's called tumescent liposuction, which is where you inject um, a mixture of uh, saline, salty water, um, and local anaesthetic and adrenaline. Um, sometimes there are other um, combinations of things that get added to it, but Generally, that's the mix. Quite a bit of fluid injected into the area that you're then going to treat, and the use of that is it makes it, the fluid makes it easier to get the fat out, um, and the local anaesthetic helps with pain relief, and the adrenaline helps somewhat with um, bruising and bleeding. Um, but generally, patients still have some discomfort and generally a whole lot of bruising afterwards. Um, it is then a cannula, which is a long, thin tube with some holes on the end, and there's different sizes of those and different types of holes, um, and yeah, there's quite a few different machines that they can get at- attached to. Um, but generally, it's that then attached to, for want of a better word, a vacuum cleaner. Um, <laughs> so with a, strong, a strong suction machine mm-hmm. that um, That would be, for want of a better term. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be the better term. <laughs> well... Suction vacuum. It's people. Most people have a vacuum cleaner at home, so would understand that. Um, and then uh, we make a a really small uh, nick in the skin, and then use that cannula underneath the skin, only underneath the skin, uh, between the skin and the layer of tissue that's below that. So um, muscle generally, um, and remove. Uh, pockets of fat um, from specific areas that we plan to. So it is, uh, I describe it as less precise than other surgery because uh, today we're actually having a chat about it 
I've just finished operating and I did an arm lift on a patient um, where you draw the lines where you're going to cut out the skin. You cut along the lines, you cut mm. out that skin. Um, when you're doing liposuction underneath that beforehand, um, you still have to really concentrate. It's, it's still surgery, uh, but the, you can't see the tip of the cannula. So it's all about knowing um, the your anatomy, knowing what plane you're in, um, being very, very aware of what's um, what's going on. Um, but it's a it's a blunt tool, and you can't see exactly what it's doing. Very interesting. I think what kind of interests me the most about it is how it actually works with the fat cells, because I like I didn't really realize that you know you only had a certain amount. So what? How does that process actually work? So as Kim was alluding to. There are, there are a number of different techniques to break the fat down. So uh, traditional liposuction basically was just your, your physical um, moving the cannula, just physically breaking it down. Uh, and then since it's evolved to, be, to, to have some other techniques which also help to break down fat and just basically make it easier on the surgeon. It doesn't really change how much fat you can remove other than your surgeon has more capacity maybe to keep going. But uh, there's what we use, which is called pulse-activated liposuction, which was where the cannula itself is attached to a handpiece which um, moves, so that helps to physically break down the fat. And then there's ultrasonic liposuction, which uses ultrasound to break down fat. And then uh, and then the, the suction part is the same. So... Yeah, you're basically either physically breaking it down or using ultrasound energy to break it down and then um, removing it with the suction device. And I, I think what you were talking about as well was that each person only has a set number of fat cells in their body and if you put on weight, those the fat inside those cells expands or increases and if you lose weight, the fat inside those cells decreases. But um, procedures like liposuction actually remove the fat cells um, in the area that you're targeting. Um, it doesn't mean that then patients can't put on weight still. They just put on the fat more on the cells that are left behind. So if someone has had liposuction, for example, on the lower part of their tummy and the proceduralist or the surgeon has removed every single fat cell from that area and then they put on weight, they're going to look weird because that bit is skin and no fat underneath it. They're not going to put on weight or lose weight um, in proportion to the rest, rest of their body. So if they gained weight again, it would just be like in the upper abdomen, put, like yeah. they can't well, control arms it. In there. And it'll still arms be and legs and the, and the lower part of their tongue. If, if it's mm-hmm. been overdone. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we're probably going to go on to the indications for liposuction, but for, for us and for me in particular, it, the indications are really quite limited. So it, it's not for um, weight loss. It's not for weight reduction. It's generally for contouring in association with other surgeries. Yeah. Um, so if someone wants to, I want to lose 10 kilos and think they can just come and get 10 litres of liposuction, it, it, it just doesn't, it's, it's not safe. It's not um, feasible. There's many things that we can cause harm too by doing that also along the lines of what kim was saying is it's probably the most unpredictable of all the procedures that we do so as kim was saying when we do a tummy tuck we make a lower incision upper incision we cut the skin out in between we stitch it up breast reduction you you 
choose where the nipple's going, you cut the skin appropriately, uh, you basically know how it's going to end up. The big unknown in liposuction is you don't know what the skin is going to do. So you can remove the fat, but uh, there's no way of examining and assessing the skin totally uh, to know how it will behave and, and shrink down. Um, you can get a good idea. So often someone with younger skin um, that it, that it, that's still firm, as, as Kim was alluding to, they often uh, do better. Um, but I've certainly had patients like that where the skin has still ended up not as smooth as what you would like. Um, and generally, if you've got looser skin, you'll end up with loose skin and, and a bad contour. Um, but even then, I, like you can be surprised and sometimes it shrinks up and, it, and it's actually really good. But um, that, that's what makes it a difficult operation. Um, and in your intro, you, you, you sort of alluded to it. You're, you, I think you made the comment that just liposuction, and I think that's a common way to refer to it, but it's, it, it is quite tricky to get right and in many ways harder than the other surgeries we do. The other thing that I've found in um, one patient in particular that I can remember who I did some liposuction on her thighs is that the fat that was left behind um, and with the way she um, bruised and then healed, that it's hard to predict the trauma that you caused to some of the fat that you don't remove. Um, and she looked smooth and even at about a month and then at about three months as all the bruising and the bleeding and everything settled down, she actually had quite irregular areas on her thighs and quite lumpiness. And I think some of that was extra trauma that was caused to the tissue. So some of them sort of um, bruised and stayed a bit more swollen. Some of it disappeared more, but it, it was you know tricky to... Know, figure out how that uh, and her skin actually wasn't too bad but it was more what had gone on underneath and how that healed that it was um, uneven and, and again the unpredictability and the difficulty of, of actually doing those procedures and getting it perfectly and smooth. with that scenario does she just like kind of stay or do you go back in and take out the bruised ones or is it um yeah so the the plan was to to even up by where there's lumpier areas take mm-hmm. a little bit more out um, and, and sometimes if there's an, a, a divot created then you can actually need to put some fat back in. Mm-hmm. Um, what body parts are the best to, who will react the best to liposuction? Well my current favourite area for liposuction is the back um, and I think that the reason why it, it work so well in that area is the skin tends to be a bit thicker so we're operating there we operate there quite a bit with back lifts and, and the like so we know that that skin is thicker so it's got more potential for shrinking down but it's also going up against a, a hard surface the the ribs um, and the uh, muscles of the lower back and so contours better uh, when you're doing if you did the same amount of liposuction in say a thigh or even an abdomen, it's it's against a, a softer uh, body part, and so you, you get more um, contour irregularities, and also the skin doesn't shrink back down as nicely. But um, uh, back liposuction, whether it's standalone or as part of a, a back lift or a bra line back lift, really really contours well, and um, it, and I sort of refer to it a bit. It's it's almost like a reverse Brazilian butt lift. Um, 
as everyone knows, we're not big fans of that operation. But if you can hollow out the area above the buttock, it gives more uh, shape to the actual buttock and fullness. And it gives a, a lower start point to the buttock rather than it being halfway up your, your, your uh, back. So it does sort of give you better shape to your buttock by means of subtracting um, fullness from above it. Uh, other other areas would be in, in association with other procedures. So um, doing the hips or the upper part of the tummy in a tummy tuck um, in a breast reduction, I would not uncommonly do some liposuction around the outside of the chest. So particularly if someone's a little bit overweight, um, mm-hmm. to try and get bring those breasts that are just broad and hang out under the armpits to try and reshape that. So they've actually got an outside edge to the the breast, and that's a bit more defined. Um, commonly, I would do liposuction when doing a brachioplasty or arm lift. I just yeah. find that it's um, even if they're not got a whole lot of fat, that the skin then comes off a little bit easier. Um, and thighs, I think we both are. Um, thighs are tricky. Thighs are tricky with liposuction. Thighs are tricky with um, uh, skin removal as well. Yeah. So um, it, it, just about any patient that would come in and doesn't need skin removal, but wants thigh liposuction on its own, it would be hard push to find someone that is suitable for that, uh, that procedure. Because um, so commonly, especially in women, that the skin on the inner thighs is already um, it's much thinner and much poorer quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little, bit of, a little bit of fat, a little bit of liposuction there can cause a whole lot of problems. And which is yeah. unfortunate because it, it's probably one of the more, more common areas where people, people think ask about it. Yeah, people might. Um, the other areas are the, the chin, so um, liposuction. If you've got good quality skin there and there's not a lot of loose skin, um, liposuction can really improve the contour there. Um, agree with arms. I, I would and lateral chest and breast. I, I'd do it. It would 100% of brachioplasty patients and probably 80% of breast reduction patients. Um, and that is actually quite an interesting group because it's not uncommon that their most painful part of their recovery is the area where you've done the liposuction. So another fallacy of uh, liposuction that it, it's not as painful. Um, my my experience is, um, I'm not sure if you're, you've had the same, but patients... Uh, often find that lateral chest much more painful than Absolutely. even the breast. And yeah. it bruises significantly and it bruises yeah. around their back and all down their sides. Is it pretty common that um, people come in and they expect to have liposuction as an add-on with their surgeries here? A lot of our patients are very well informed and so they're on forums and on um, groups on social media and have seen other patients have, you know, I had a at a tummy tucker muscle repair and liposuction. And so um, commonly ask about it, um, commonly ask when I'm doing a breast reduction assessment, um, do I need liposuction on the sides? Um, and a- again, not uncommonly, sometimes you can, if, if the size is a little bit um, uneven at the end of the operation, to use a little bit of liposuction to help even that up. Um, uncommonly, but still Patients are coming in thinking that they can have liposuction on its own as a weight loss type procedure. And in particular, even last week I saw a patient that um, hormonally, menopausally had put on about 10 kilos and her, her GP actually said to her, the only way to fix this is with liposuction. Mm. And I said to her, 
the only way not to fix this. <laughs> um, because uh, she she had put on a, a little bit of weight everywhere. Yeah. Um, it, it was more so sort of in her abdomen. Um, but she had a lot of around in her um, visceral fat. So mm-hmm. underneath the muscles, you cannot access that with liposuction. Well, some people do. <laughs> some people do try. <laughs> well, I think they're probably not trying to. They're maybe accidentally. But, um, yeah, it's – and we've said this a thousand times times before say it and we will say it a thousand more times um that liposuction is not for weight loss um so uh, it, it's it's rapid removal of fat and you only have to watch some of the older episodes of the biggest loser and to see how much excess skin those guys have when they're losing 10 kilos of weight a week and yeah um and it and it's a surgical way of doing that and can cause a lot of harm and actually not fix the problem yeah um and then you know if if that patient is steadily putting on weight um sure you can maybe maybe do a little bit of a quick fix in one area and then they'll keep putting on the weight and it's going to go in other areas and i mean as evidenced by the people in the biggest loser i know obviously you're talking about it in a far more literal surgical sense but you know, those people weren't given the tools, the therapy, the time, the sustained opportunity to lose weight. Uh, and, you know, it all, all just comes right back. And, you know, which again is something different, maybe something for a different podcast. But, yeah, it's not a sustained, a quick fix is never a sustained way, is it? Uh, so what are some of the benefits of liposuction? Oh, look, it's a great tool, f- tool for contouring. Um, so ad- so the most common place we probably do it is in conjunction with other skin tightening procedures. So breast reduction, tummy tucks, body lifts, brachioplasties, thigh lifts. Uh, I, I would use it in almost all of those cases, um, almost all of the time. So I, I do do a lot of liposuction. Um and then, as Kim has said, the other group are patients with localised areas of fat, whether it's on their tummy, uh, sometimes around their hips, flanks, um, uh, around the knees is another common area where there's good quality skin, small amount of fat, and you can just remove uh, a localised area of fat and you have a fair degree of confidence that the, the skin will retract down. You were saying before how it's, you know, I guess I was too, that, you know, people kind of think of it as this really easy, light-hearted surgery, like a lunchtime surgery. What are some of the complications that can happen or some of the risks that people should be aware of before they go into liposuction? Um, there are many. Um, so from the simplest things, which are not necessarily a complication, but as a, a side effect of having the surgery, um, bruising, um, a lot of bruising, and and some patients really are black, jet black, the area that you've treated them, and and that can hang around for two to three weeks. Um, pain and discomfort. It's usually not agonisingly painful, but it can certainly be uncomfortable. Um, and some of that is to do with the the nerves that are running between the tissues below 
that are running to the skin. So the end of the cannula is blunt and it's supposed to not cause any harm to nerves, but um, it, it certainly does traumatise those. And so nerves, when they get injured, um, you get areas either of numbness or areas of pain. Um, and, and areas of numbness, sometimes when the nerves are recovering, then they can also get areas of pain. Um, so it, it certainly it can be uncomfortable. Um, swelling, uh, certainly in the lower parts of the so thighs they can um, swell um, areas can stay numb sort of permanently Inf- infection is one of the most significant things and there, there have been a couple of cases of patients um, dying from having overwhelming sepsis from um, liposuction that wasn't picked up early enough um, and then more recently uh, there's been cases of patients where the tip of the cannula has gone through the deeper structures, um, so particularly abdomen and chest. So there's really, really important things that are uh, inside those cavities. So um, heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, oh, bowel. So <laughs> spleen, so, I believe. As well. uh, spleen there. And so, you know, it is, it's a blunt instrument, but if you push it hard enough, it'll go through um, yeah. anywhere. And if you're not... Um, you're not well trained in terms of anatomy and um, paying attention to what you're doing um, the tip of that cannula which you can't see um, you have 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 to have a 3d vision of where it is and um, how hard you're pushing it um, it can cause harm to any of those any of those organs which is um, yeah life-threatening yeah and I've seen those cannulas you don't want that piercing anything because they are Long. Mm. I, I think, as Kim was saying, though, like, these are potential problems, but they are and should be very avoidable. Mm-hmm. So there are, are a number of things that you, that uh, we can do. A, as Kim's saying, know where you are. Um, always watch where the end of the cannula is. Um, I, I'd have to say it, it's, it is the operation that I am the most anxious about when I'm doing it. Because it's closed, it's, you can't see anything. You don't know where the tip is exactly. So, kind of visualize where it is through the skin. But also with your non-dominant hand, I've always got that hand where the tip is, so I can always feel it. So it's it's both visual and tactile in terms of knowing where it is. Also, the anaesthetist, if I'm doing liposuction around the abdomen, they won't paralyze them, so their muscles have a little bit more tone to them. So Potentially, uh, uh, it would be more difficult to go go through the muscle wall. Um, I mean, these complications should be extraordinarily rare if, if, if happen at all. Um, the other thing is to assess a patient. So if you're doing liposuction on someone's abdomen, you should assess them to make sure they don't have a hernia because... The only way I can actually see it happening is if there's an unsuspecting hernia, say from a previous operation, and and there's a there's a communication between the where the fat is and through the abdominal wall into the abdominal cavity, uh, potentially there'd be that that uh, weakness or defect would be a path of no resistance, so, so the cannula could easily traverse there. But you know, that comes down to your pre-operative assessment that's not something you'd necessarily pick up uh, be able to pick up on the table although knowing where the tip of the cannula is and, and feeling it and that two double um, 
sort of uh, awareness, uh, should still be able to prevent all of that. What about, I know with um, cool sculpting, we talked about how um, sometimes the tissue or the fat cells can harden. Can that ever happen with liposuction? Yeah, it can because the, if any um, fat cells uh, lose their blood supply, they can get what's called fat necrosis, which is it, it's a different mechanism than what we talked about with um, the cool sculpting. But yeah, you can get some firm areas and also with a, some extra bleeding as well. So like footy players and things like that get, talk about corked thighs and that's that's a big hematoma um, or a blood um, area in a muscle and the same sort of thing can happen as well like you ha- if you have a bleed that doesn't um, resolve or dissolve then th- there can certainly be some firm areas the other complications <laughs> uh, bleeding and, and Kim's talking about the bruising uh, and we'll just sort of talking about that then but the reason why that can actually get away f- uh, if you're not looking out for it uh, is because you're creating a massive raw raw area so when you're putting that, if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're oh, doing massive areas, yeah, I mean, if we're, we're not, we wouldn't be doing 10 litres, but 10 litres means you've basically lifted off the skin almost around the entire body. And so you've got a raw surface on the undersurface and a raw surface on the tummy, the muscle side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are little blood vessels and they get traumatized and they can just um, keep on oozing. And we see this because we often, if we're doing it on a tummy tuck, for example, we would do some liposuction to the upper abdomen where you're not cutting the skin out, but then you lift the skin up and you can see it. And you just see this sort of old blood that is just oozing, oozing away. And so when you're doing liposuction and that's all you're doing, you're just doing it through a small incision. But that is still going on underneath. Mm-hmm. So that's where the bruising comes from because it's after... Uh, you know, it's it's all finished and, and that's why we put lo- uh, adrenaline in to try and shrink all of that down but um, it still happens to a certain degree so you can have this incidental blood loss but it's also massive fluid shifts so um, you, you when you're doing liposuction and you're removing all of that fluid um, uh, you often get quite dehydrated and so our anesthetist are almost doing a fluid resuscitation like you would do for a Burns case so that, you know, the, the kidneys are being perfused and all, all the other vital organs are being perfused. But uh, we, we've certainly heard of cases not being done in hospitals where patients go home and they're essentially dehydrated. And, look, the, it's often being done on young patients and patient, young patients have a lot of reserve and they obviously more times than not they, they their body adjusts and... They probably drink a lot of water for the next few days and it balances out. But it's a serious risk. Uh, I've seen um, like girls on Instagram, and I've showed to you as well, where that, you know, their stomachs look so tight and they look like dead. Like mm. it's just that oh, really off colour compared to the rest of their body. And you can just see like it just looks like thin skin. So is that a case of where they've just had way too much work you're talking about where they're like lifting it off the body? Yeah, the, and probably they've... The procedure has tried to remove every single yeah. um, gram of fat that's under there, um, and and maybe used to try and decrease the amount of that bleeding, like possibly unsafe amounts of um, adrenaline and um, local anaesthetic as well. Scary. Um, 
we've talked about like just on our most recent cosmetic cowboys episode about how you guys typically would kind of do less than two liters of liposuction um, on an average, and you know these guys are doing like seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, that's obviously a huge red flag if somebody is promising to do that or offering to do that. What are some other red flags people should look out for when they're talking to uh, doctors about liposuction? Uh, location and um, what other supports they have uh, for that patient. So um, do they have an anaesthetist involved? And it may seem appealing to have a rooms procedure with no anaesthetist because um, it's cheaper for sure. Like if we were to do a procedure in our office here, like we don't have to pay, the patient doesn't have to pay hospital fees. Um, they don't have to pay the fees for the anaesthetist. But the reason for doing those things is, is safety. Um, and that's the, the bottom line with everything that we talk about and that for, for our patients always is safety. And so that's why we do all of these operations in a hospital. Um, the patients are appropriately monitored. Um, sure, it, it costs extra money, but that's you're, you're paying for your health. Um, and there's uh, always an anaesthetist involved. And... Uh, you know, generally, uh, our patients will be having a general anaesthetic rather than um, twilight or sedation. So I think one of those shows we s- saw recently in a patient said was having chin liposuction and was given the option of you know a full anaesthetic, twilight or nothing. And she she chose no anaesthetic whatsoever. And then so she's going to be awake and she's going to be aware of the everything else that happens after that. So yeah, if if you are off, it's cheaper. You can have it mm-hmm. in the in the back room, and um, there's no anaesthetist, and um, you know it, it, sterility is going to be um, something that you need to ask about. And backup support. Um, if you do have an issue when you go home, what n- numbers you've got to call. Um, if you do end up, you know, dehydrated and collapsing, going to a proper hospital where you can get um, treated and resuscitated. I think sort of going on from what Kim said earlier, like if someone's offering this as a weight loss procedure or suggesting uh, ridiculous amounts of liposuction, 10, 11, 12 litres that we've, we've recently all heard about, uh, I think th- those things should, should raise concerns that um, maybe you need to lose some weight first or possibly uh, you need a different type of procedure. And that... The other thing is is patients shopping around. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that patient I saw last week, um, you know, I, I, she's pretty sensible, and I think she um, took on board what I said. And um, but if someone was adamant, no, th- this is this is what I've been told is going to fix me. They will be able to find someone that will do it. But if you know, one, two, three surgeons have said. Yeah, this isn't the right thing for you. Just because you found one person that may be like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can, I can fix you up. But yeah, especially well, if it's a GP doing well, it. That, that's mm. what I was about yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> on what the basis? The plastic surgeon says no. On what yeah. basis would a GP yeah. write that as a referral? Mm. As a, as a, that's just lazy medicine. Mm. Yeah, and okay. that's really hard when you're like on his name or when, her name when you're coming to some whatever. They're they're from a place of authority, and if you're yeah. a patient going to see them, you're like, okay, well, like you know, this yeah. doctor, you put I put a lot of trust in. Yeah, 
with yeah. all these other elements. And if it's a GP, you know, they've seen for a lot of years about a lot of different things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's hard to lose weight, but liposuction yeah. is the only way to fix it. But <laughs> like, insane. I mean, no, it is not. The, the weight loss discussion, I'm sure, is a very, very – I mean, we have it here with patients. It's a difficult confronting – All day, every day. Every day. It's like. a difficult confronting conversation. But just – uh, handing it over to Kim or I to, to solve, particularly where you've sold false, false hope that there might be a surgical solution with us, us to it is, I think it's, it's pretty irresponsible. Yeah, it is really frustrating. And yeah. we, we, often, uh, we often do get th- that kind of a, you know, someone... And I'm not I, as blatant I, as that. No, but yeah, like, GPs you know, is normally gatekeep that specialist. <laughs> You're like, I just need an ears, nose and throat doctor. They're like, nah. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I sort of don't mind seeing a patient who comes in and goes, look, I've, um, I know I'm overweight, I've put some weight on, but I've got the skin on my abdomen that's overhanging and I really want it treated. And they kind of like, I want you to tell me I have to lose weight before I can have surgery. And that, but then there may be an option of doing surgery. And, and like, at least if they're, honest with themselves and they understand and like, look yeah you are not suitable for surgery at the moment but you know go away go get some of that weight off and in a number of the and I'm sure you know both of us see patients that come back six months nine months later and it like you know that it really helped having that motivation that yes there is a surgical option yeah, for me when I get to where I need to get to and you know it's None of it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's sold as an easy quick fix is a red flag as well, I think. Yeah. Should you be wary of people who are offering non-surgical lipo? Is that kind of a red I don't line? even know what that is. Do you mean cool sculpting? Well, yeah, but I think because I think they do kind of sell it as non-surgical. Ah, yeah. Lunchtime. Yeah. Lunchtime. yeah. That it has that, is it like... Is that like a mini tummy tuck? Yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> a mini lipo. <laughs> yeah, because it's like if it's liposuction, yeah. it's surgical, right? So it's like... Absolutely. No, it's someone's it's trying surgery. to... Yeah, yeah, someone's trying to downplay the seriousness of it, much like they do with a, a mini tummy tuck or a mini facelift. Uh, and it's, yeah, I think I think you know, that's marketing. Yeah, which is, um, you know, I, I don't think is is appropriate. Anything else you want to add about liposuction? Uh, liposuction below the knee, very bad. Oh, calves. Not an uncommon request. Yeah, mm. I actually got a friend who quite a few years ago in New Zealand um, had had it done. And she's a skinny girl and um, small areas of both of her ankles. She's always, her whole life hated them. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, you know, tough problem to fix. But she went to a very, very experienced plastic surgeon in New Zealand. And um, she, she had a great outcome. Um, it took a long time to recover. And I don't think she would she would have had you know, maybe a couple of hundred mils mm. off each side. Like it was just, it was that bit where, you know, actually an appropriate area because she's slim and there's just small pockets of fat on both sides. But that that is few and far between. Um, Does that mean she would have like struggled to walk for a couple of weeks? Oh, they were swollen. Like imagine being doing a long haul flight every day. I think it took oh a good six God. months before they really properly settled down. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because you're al- on your feet all the time. Also yeah, risk of clots in the legs yeah. in that part of the body Yeah, when you're doing that sort of surgery. So, yeah, low um, low benefit, high risk. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I've done it once or twice. Mm. Maybe just below the knee, but not mm. certainly not all around the ankle. So, I mean, I, I think in closing, it is a v- 
good operation in the right hands, in the right patient, in someone who's well-educated, um, and, and you can get very good results. But it, it's not – don't get f- sucked into thinking this is just a, a, the panacea to anybody who's overweight or has a, a bulge they don't like. Um, that This may not be the answer. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics, so send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today, and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.